Thanks so much, Laura. Well, hi, everybody. Great to see you. So if you are a guest with us today, I can see a few unfamiliar faces. A really warm welcome. It's lovely to have you with us. And you might not know if you're a guest with us that we have, we're kind of running through an Advent series at the moment. We're looking at the names of Jesus. There are over 100 names used to describe God and Jesus in the Bible. We're not doing all 100, you'd be pleased to hear. But we are using these Advent candles that you're welcome to take if you haven't had one. And in each day, there's a different name of Jesus that we can reflect on. And in fact, we've got some of them written up here as well along the back. If you'd like to, you can follow us on social media because each day we have a focus on each of the names with a little prompt to help us reflect and think about those things to find out in the Bible where they are and what they might mean to us today. And the aim behind this is that we will all really be strengthened and encouraged in our relationship with Jesus, that we'll get to know him a little bit better as we focus on the truth of who he is and what the Bible says about him and what that means to us. Now, I don't know about you, but even though I'm following Jesus and I'm committed to being formed into his likeness, I find it really easy to get bent out of shape. The culture around us is really far from God's best. And we're so easily shaped, aren't we, by the media that we consume, the expectations of others, the pressures of life and of work. And just think about Christmas, you know, the adverts that, the adverts that are pushing us to spend and buy things and make Christmas look perfect. You know, this, this year we were even tempted to think about should we all get matching pyjamas for our family of five and the dog. <laughs> Nigel's not tempted, but the rest of us were. Maybe we will. We shall see. <laughs> Watch this space. <laughs> but, you know, last week we were talking about advent calendars, weren't we? And I said I was hoping for the diamond a day one. Well, it hasn't arrived yet, but interestingly, I know, ah, oh, big ah, oh, or is it an ah oh, or is it a boo? What do you reckon? <laughs> I haven't had my diamond a day advent calendar, but what I have had is quite a lot of adverts for diamonds this week. Every time I go on Facebook, oh, that looks nice. So it, somebody's watching me, aren't they? You know, it's, it's in there, and there are lots of pressures to push us to kind of be formed into a certain... And what we've been trying to do this year is think about different practices, different things we can do to help us be formed more like Jesus. Now, after the service last week, I was chatting to Steve, and he just said, at the, he said, I love coming to church. It reminds me who I really am. And I said, oh, what do you mean? And he said, well, if you were here last week, you will know that we had a wonderful interview, a testimony from Dickie, who's part of our church family and who has been involved in helping over 270 people who needed to get out of Afghanistan, escape from that really troubled country. And he said within the process of doing that, there are a couple of names of Jesus that were particularly meaningful to him. One was Jesus as his rock and the other is Jesus as redeemer. And what Steve said last week was, as I listened to Dickie's story and I thought about Jesus being the rock, it reminded me that in my life, he's the rock that I stand on too. And so that's why we're looking at things. We want to hang on to the truth of who Jesus is and what it means in our lives today. Hear from Lorraine about some of her story and the names of God that have been meaningful to her in recent times. But before we do, I just want to read to us from 1 Corinthians. We're going to be reading from the message version, so you might have brought that version with you. You might have it on your phone if you want to look at it, or some of the words are going to come up on the screen. We're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, Corinthians was a letter. It was written to a bunch of people in a place called Corinth, which was in Greece. And it was a place where 
the surrounding culture wasn't very, didn't look very much like God's best. People were worshipping all kinds of gods. They were involved in all kinds of dodgy practices and dodgy things. And yet there was a church there who were trying to live with their lives focused on Jesus, just like we are today. They had plenty of opportunity to be bent out of shape by the culture around them. And so Paul, who was writing to them, just encouraged them with these words. And I wanted to encourage us too. This is what he says. I, Paul, have been called and sent by Jesus the Messiah, according to God's plan, along with my friend Sosthenes. Great name. If you're looking for a baby name, anyone fancy Sosthenes? I send this letter to you in God's church at Corinth. Believers cleaned up by Jesus and set apart for a God-filled life. I include in my greeting all who call out to Jesus wherever they live. He's their master as well as ours. And I thought, well, this letter is not just for the people in Corinth. It's for us too. But I love that phrase. Or can we just pop back at one, please, Katie? Thank you. You're ahead of me today. We are believers cleaned up by Jesus and set apart for a God-filled life. Isn't that just a beautiful description? And I just felt encouraged today that however we've come today, whatever your week's been like, whatever challenges you're facing, if you're somebody who is committed to following Jesus, if you've said yes to him, like Nigel said this morning, you count, you're in. You're a believer who is cleaned up by Jesus and set apart for a God-filled life. Your yes to him means that you are washed free, washed clean, that you're made new. And what a wonderful thing to think about having a God-filled life. As Nigel was saying a couple of weeks ago, about increasing our capacity as we wait for God to come and fill our lives. And then let's go on to the next slide. Thank you. May all the gifts and benefits that come from God our Father and the Master, Jesus Christ, be yours. A different translation says grace and peace. You know, all the blessings of knowing Jesus, all the blessings of having life in him are ours. And Paul says, every time I think of you, I think of you, and I think of you often, I thank God for your lives of free and open access to God, given by Jesus. Isn't that just beautiful? Jesus has made the way for us to come freely to God. There's an open door. There's no restriction. There's nothing that stops us coming before him. And I love the other sense of that that our lives have open access to God in that he can come and meet with us and fill us and change us as we give our yes to him. And it goes on to say there's no end to what has happened in you. It's beyond speech, beyond knowledge. The evidence of Christ has been clearly verified in your lives. And let's just pause there. Because if you're someone who's following Jesus, I don't know whether you do this ever, but why don't we just take a moment and think about the evidence of Christ that is verified in our lives. As you think about your life, what do you see? What are the differences since you gave your yes to Jesus? Perhaps it's something as simple as you're spending your time and your energy and your money in different ways because he's in charge of your life now. Perhaps as you look back, you see that your reactions are changing. You don't get things right all the time. None of us do. But maybe there have been situations where previously you would have just gone and got into a rage 
or got completely frustrated or distressed. And actually now, because you've been walking with Jesus this year, you know his peace in your heart. Your reactions and your responses are different. So if you're a follower of Jesus now, why don't you just spend a moment and say, Jesus, show me, where is it? What's the evidence of you clearly verified or clearly seen in my life? Take a moment to think. And as we think about these things, why don't we thank him? Because it's his work in us. The Holy Spirit is at work within us to form us into the likeness of Jesus. What a wonderful thing. And maybe in this moment you'll sit there thinking, I can't think of anything. Well, that might be the case, you can't think of anything. But it's not true that there isn't anything. And so maybe in this moment you'd like to say... Lord Jesus, please, will you show me? And also, will you continue your work in me? Continue to show me the evidence of you in my life. Now we're just going to move on to the last little section. And it says this, just think, you don't need a thing. You've got it all. All God's gifts are right in front of you as you wait expectantly for our master Jesus to arrive on the scene for the finale. And you know, we said this a few weeks ago, didn't we? That in this time of Advent, this time of waiting, we are waiting for the 25th of December to celebrate Christmas. Of course we are. But we're also waiting for Jesus to return. He is coming back. And so in this time of expectant waiting, although the pressures around us are difficult, although it feels like sometimes we long to see change that we're not seeing, we know that Jesus will return. And not only that, but God himself is right alongside you to keep you steady and on track until all things are all wrapped up by Jesus. God, who got you started in this spiritual adventure, shares with us the life of his son and our master Jesus. He will never give up on you. Never forget that. So maybe today you need to be reminded about God being your rock too. The promise here in this passage is that God himself is right alongside us to keep us steady and on track. Maybe in this moment you're feeling like you don't know which way to go. You don't know what the direction is. But the promise is God is here. God is with us. And he will show us the way. And I love that little bit at the end. That reminder. That he will never give up on you. Never forget that. And so today, however you come into this moment, into this meeting, or if you're watching online, wherever you find yourself, this passage in Corinthians encourages us that as followers of Jesus, we're cleaned up by him, we're forgiven by him, we're made new. 
It reminds us that he is changing us, that the evidence of Jesus in our life can be seen and he is at work. He's here to keep us steady and on track to show us the way. And he's never going to give up on us. And so I hope that you're encouraged by what Paul wrote in the Bible all those thousands of years ago and what is still relevant for us today. And what we're going to do now is we're going to watch um, a video. I had a conversation with Lorraine earlier in the week. Lorraine's part of our church family. You'll hear about her um, in a few minutes' time. Some of you will recognize her. She's actually here today, but we decided it was easier to film just in case anyone couldn't come because of, you know, precautions and all that kind of business. And so you're going to hear a little bit about her story, about what God's been doing in her life in recent years. And I hope that as you listen, as you watch, you'll be able to listen with your heart too and be saying to God, what is it that you want to say to me? What are you doing in and through me as I learn what you've been doing with Lorraine? So over to Lorraine. So Lorraine, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, so I'm originally from South Africa. I've been in this country now for five years. I have three sons and a grandson in South Africa still. Um, two of them are hoping to come over here permanently. I left the country because there was no opportunity for work and I was concerned about how I was going to cope as I grew older in the country. Um, I work, my, my work in South Africa was in laboratories. However, you get to a point where they won't employ you because you're too old. And so I came over here, was fortunate enough after six months of caring to find a job at ALS Environmental, which is a water laboratory in Otterbourne, and we test all the southern water water. So whatever you drink, it's come through our lab. Thank you very much. <laughs> and earlier in the year, you sent us a wonderful email describing some of what God's been doing in your life. Why did you want to tell some of that story? Okay, so when I wrote the email, I really felt it was time to particularly make contact with you and Nigel about what God has been doing and to encapsulate the entirety of the healing that he had taken me through, um, which for me was quite profound. And I knew that because I was only in and out of church occasionally because of shifts, I hadn't really got to be a a very visible part of the community as such. So I wanted to be able to share that with you and also to thank you for what you've done during lockdown. Um, when this whole thing of the names of God came up, I felt that there was more to my story and maybe also listening when you have people visiting and you, they say about what amazing work they're doing for God in whatever country far away, it can actually diminish from what God is doing in each and every life. And for me, I kind of see myself as just a normal, ordinary, everyday person. Um, but what God did for me was profound, and I wanted people to realize that in actual fact, their story and their God story was just as important. Um, yeah, I needed to say, God is amazing, and and He's taken me out of a, a very dark place and into a place of hope and life and a future. Um, so, yeah, that's particularly why I wanted to share my story. 
And so can you tell us a little bit about your background and, and the place that you were in? Sure. Um, in South Africa, it's a beautiful, beautiful country, but it's really a hard life. Um, you do not earn enough money to really cope every month. Your, the salaries are really low, the cost of living is very high, cost of accommodation is high, crime is high. Um, and I don't want to paint a completely negative picture. I was born there, I was raised there, I do love the country, and my children are still there. So, but in the turmoil of my life, um, I have been the victim of emotional, mental, physical, spiritual abuse in a variety of ways. I was constructively dismissed from a couple of jobs. I was fired, believe it or not, from my position on church staff, um, the reason being that they couldn't trust me. Um, it becomes a devastating thing, especially when it comes from a pastor. You feel like, yeah, like you just are nothing. And you have, you become a no, no person. You, you have no place to go. You have no spiritual home. You have people that you know are looking at you and judging you. And then within my domestic environment, I had huge issues with my children. Um, I love them, but it's been really, really hard. And it got to a point where I knew that I needed to change something dramatically, although I didn't have the strength to do that. I had got to a point where I had lost hope. Um, for whatever reason, God decided, or maybe it was my fault, God did not prompt me to leave the church I was, had been fired from. I still stayed as a member of the congregation, but I didn't go very often, understandably, because I got the most odd looks from people. Um, and so I didn't go very often, and my friend Veronica, a wonderful friend who I still am in contact with in South Africa. I had missed one Sunday and I literally could not get out of bed. Um, and she felt called to come and visit me straight after the service. And she sat and she read scripture over me. She had been given a specific scripture. She read it over me and as she read it, I felt this grey shroud lift off me. I, I Looking back, I kind of think I was about to just move off into oblivion, just out of sheer hopelessness. And when she left, I got up, I ate something for the first time in a while, and then I went and I stood at my front door, and there was the most amazing rainbow in the sky. And it was, for me, it was just a promise from God to say, you know what, this is not over yet. I've got this. Um, and then over the years, that just became a move that he, he just kept on supporting me. And so, nothing major, but I managed to survive to the point that I said, okay, you know what, when my mom dies, I will be able to travel. I would not leave South Africa as long as she was alive. And the moment that she did die in March of 2016, I remembered that. And I just thought, okay, now I can leave. Um, and within six months, I was out the country. Um, I'm not sure how that happened. I'm not even, I, people lent me money for the ticket and all sorts of things. I just remember going for police clearance and, and just going. I was numb. 
I, I was just it, kind of just following one, putting one foot in front of the other because that was the only way I could get out. And I remember standing at the airport not really feeling much except crying as I watched my little grandson waving, you know, bye-bye, grandma, bye-bye, grandma, and not really sure when I was going to see him again. Um, as it happens, I haven't seen him yet, but thank God we have videos and we have video calls and whatever. Um, and I found myself landing in, in Heathrow on the 11th of December, sorry, the 11th of November in 2016. And I had 20 pounds to my name and I was terrified and I was numb and, but I was here. And I had come over here with a caring job, so I had employment. So for six months I did that. I lived in with people, um, caring for them. But when I'd come over, I'd come over with all my emotional and physical and spiritual baggage. I was severely depressed. I was broken in every way possible. So caring for other people's needs was really not the best thing for me to do. And after six months, I stopped. And as God would have it, the place I stopped was Winchester. So, yeah, he was in control of everything. Um, Within a month of my stopping caring, I had the job at ALS. I started working there in amongst the most amazing people who were supportive and encouraging and just so loving. Um, none of them are Christians, but they were God's people for me at that time. Uh, and it's a no-blame environment, so if you did something wrong, you were never made to feel that. They would say, okay, this has happened, how are we going to solve it? Um, and that began to bring a little bit of healing for me. Um, I could begin to trust that I could do this job, because um, I'd been totally wiped out in that sense, having been fired so many times. And I felt, as I was getting a little bit stronger, a little bit stronger, I felt, okay, now's the time that I can actually seek real restoration, real healing for all the brokenness. So I went to Claire, um, which I would recommend to anybody, um, that you, you find out the way forward. And Claire straight away told me, you need, she would recommend counselling. They don't do counselling at the church, but she did tell me where to go. She said, Sozo, when you're ready, another aspect of church life that is absolutely profound. And I would recommend for anybody, even if you just want to go for kind of an MOT and think, find out where you're at. Um, it's a remarkable experience. And also just to go out for prayer whenever and whenever it's offered basically. So I started counselling at um, the Olive Branch which is a place in Winchester it's a funded by I think by the lottery but it they have counsellors there are just Christian but they don't counsel from a Christian perspective so you can go in there whoever you are and but the fact that they are all Christian gives uh, and foundation to what they do um, and I, I was counseled by a remarkable woman called Hannah who we just clicked and for two years we had the most amazing 
counselling relationship. Um, when we came, when I came to the end of that, she said to me, "When I started with you, Lorraine, I read your story. You had suffered from depression for twenty odd years, and my thought was, how can I possibly help somebody like that?" Yeah. And she realised that just by letting me tell my story, that was what brought the healing for me. It was no high dramatics, it was no major thing, but it was just God in my story that allowed me and her to highlight, okay, so this happened. What are the positives? What are the negatives? How did you feel? And it, it was just remarkable. It was an amazing experience. So at the moment, we're talking about different names of Jesus. Which are the names that have been particularly meaningful to you? Which aspects of his character have kind of stood out to you in this season as you've been walking through this healing? Okay, so I think over the two years that I was having counselling, there were so many lies that I had believed about myself um, or that had been put on me by everybody that I associated with. And that counselling process was part of breaking that down, analysing, okay, so what happened? What do you believe about that? And looking back now, what is, what is the truth? What is, what, is, what is really, what really happened? What is real? And so one of the names certainly is the truth. Um, he is the truth. And sometimes you have to have other people help you find what the truth really is. I could have gone on believing the lies in my life, but Jesus in his wisdom sent me to people who would actually help draw that out. And it's not just Hannah in the counselling environment. Within my work environment, where I say there are no Christians, there have been people that have um, spoken truth to me and and broken down lies um, where I didn't feel like I could do stuff. They would say, no nonsense, you know, you're really good at this. And although people might not see that as God's truth, that's the way he works. Um, he works through everything and anything that we, we bring to him. And it's been remarkable. So the one word, is, the one name is definitely truth. The other one was, as I came into this country and I was broken and devastated and I went through this healing process, I changed within that counselling setup. I changed, and with the Sozos, I changed from being a victim of everything that had happened to being victorious and when you're walking in that kind of victory with God you have life you have the opportunity to begin to live the life that God actually wanted you to live and wants you to continue to live so those are really the two names that are start I mean they are probably I could probably apply to a lot more but truth and life are things that have become so important to me over the last five years and I I find that I will stop when somebody asks me a question I will stop and say okay what is my truth in this situation what does God really want me to say I can pretend to be something else I can pretend to be something that I'm not but he actually wants me to begin to really grasp who I am 
who he's made me to be, what he wants me to be, and, and to fulfill the purpose of my creation. So truth and life are tantamount to my everyday life now. So you've said that one of the important names for you is that Jesus is the truth and knowing the truth of who you are and what he says about you. And so how have you been able to kind of find out those truths and hold on to them in this time? I don't have a traditional quiet time like most people are maybe taught or feel that that's the best way that they connect with God. Um, I do get, I do the technology easy way and I have a scripture verse that comes in every day from the Bible Gateway um, website. So I will read that in the morning, comes through on my email, I read it in the morning, I look at it. I Sometimes it will prompt me to look a little bit further into the chapter that, that it's coming from to get a little bit more context maybe, or maybe just sparks a bit of interest and I want to know a little bit more. Um, and I hold on to that and I look at it and I think, okay, so in the light of who I am becoming, how does this impact me? Are there things about my way and my operation that I need to change? Are there ways that I need to react differently to the people I work with? Um, so I, I kind of take that into my heart in the morning. And then I would love to say that I remember it all day, but I don't. I'm not a person, I probably could be, but I'm not a person that naturally remembers all the scripture and can quote it any minute, any time. So it's on my email, so I can go back to it and I can have a look at it later in the day and just think about, okay, so how am I doing? You know, have I lost out what I was thinking this morning? Where should I go? Um, so that's one of the ways that I can actually hold on to the truth and try and really make that work for me in my life. The other way is I'm, very, I'm a very visual person. So um, I tend to imagine, it, visualize things. And one of the things that happened, I think it was in the last Sozo that I had, and I've really held on to this because it's just, it's just had a lot of impact for me. There were two aspects. One was I really relate to and I'm sorry, I'm kind of stealing another name, but Jesus is the Lion of Judah. Um, more probably, I think, of Aslan. But <laughs> um, And so I frequently, it happened in, in a factory in South Africa as well, I frequently think about him walking through the lab as a lion. Um, and then the other aspect is that at the end of that sozo, I had a thing about I was taking the fragrance of Jesus into the lab. Um, and so I hold on to that on a daily basis when things are going really bad and there's lots of tension and there's lots of stress and lots of work and emergencies and all sorts of things. Because believe it or not, that does happen with your water. Um, I think of the fragrance that I'm carrying and I really hope that I bring that kind of fragrance and that peace and that beauty of Jesus into the lab. So that's another way, I mean, that is truth, that he is, he has that capacity. So I take that into the lab with me and I try, yeah, that's the way I try and hold on to the truth. And in in the process of life too. That's beautiful, thank you. And that counts as a traditional quiet time for me. <laughs> Lovely. So is there anything else that you'd like to say to the church family? 
I think just that everybody's important. Every story is important. Don't discount the fact that you are maybe sitting at home, doing your knitting, watching television. You have the power to change the world by being in a relationship with Jesus. You have the capacity to speak a word of prayer which gets carried by the power of God and the power of the name of Jesus. You can't, you can't beat that. <laughs> um, so everybody is significant, everybody is important and it doesn't matter if you are just yourself interacting with the person in the co-op or whatever or if you are in a, high, a position of great authority and can impact thousands. In fact, quite frankly, I like being a little person because <laughs> there's not quite so much responsibility <laughs> with that. But I, I just think everybody is important um, and, and value each and every person as they are just because they are God's creation. Thank you. And finally, would you like to pray for us as a church that we would understand our place in the big story? Sure. Um, that would be an honour. Yeah, mm. it would. Father, I just, I feel so profoundly humble that you have brought me to this place of healing and restoration. And yes, I had to change continents to do that. But it's been such a journey, such an incredible journey. And my, my hope, my desire, my prayer is that every person in our family gets to live this, gets to embrace this, gets to really know the truth that Jesus has for them and the truth that he is to them and that they actually can begin to walk into the life that he has created and prepared for them. I pray that you would minister to each and every person in their brokenness and for those that are scared to to start to deal with their pain i just all i can say is that the holy spirit is a comforter and there is no fear where he is present and i would i just pray that everybody comes into that fullness in jesus name amen amen thank you that's beautiful. Thank you.